Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, in today's homily, I, I want to talk a little bit about a misinterpretation that the majority of us have about this gospel. Then I want to talk about a little message from the bishops of the state of Ohio. And then finally, I want to tell you about some pretty amazing things God has been doing here at St. Basil the Great. So first, the beginning of this gospel, Jesus says, Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. And if you're anything like me, for most of my life when I heard that, I'm like, oh, great. You're like, everyone's going to know what I did in the end. This is not good. And you end up being like kind of deflated. And there's a part of your heart that you want to hide when you hear that. And so maybe that's the first thing to notice is what part of your heart do you want to hide? Be a good place to begin your conversations with God this week. But here's the thing. When we think that Jesus is saying, hey, in the end, everyone gets to know your stuff anyways, uh, not really good news. And it also isn't what Jesus meant at all. If you begin to read Scripture in a context, you begin to see that that wasn't even on his mind. That was not what he was conveying. Here's what I mean. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. The previous 25 verses, all right, Jesus is telling his apostles, you've seen me cast out demons. You've seen me heal the blind. You've seen me heal lepers. You've seen me teach and preach about the love of the Father, what you mean to God, You've seen me talk about forgiveness. I've spoken in parables, and then when everyone left, I brought you, my chosen ones, to the side, and I explained things to you in secret and in the dark, so you got to know more than everyone else. Now it's your turn. Now you go out and do the things I did. Speak, teach, tell, talk, pray, do, get involved, Reveal the kingdom. Communicate God to others. And so right before this line, he says, by the way, everyone thinks I'm the devil. They call me Beelzebub. That's what Jesus says. No student's greater than his master. They're going to think the same of you. And so you get the first line today. Fear no one. Or in other translations, uh, do not fear them. What he means is as you go out, tell the things you've heard me tell you. The truth is going to come out, not about our brokenness and sin. What Jesus means is the truth about who he is and what he's bringing into the world. That's going to be known eventually. And the great dignity that each one of you have tonight in church, the great dignity you have is he's saying, would you share in this mission? Would you be the one through whom people learn God is real? He knows them. He loves them. He's eager to forgive them. And he has a plan of meaning and joy and beauty. Would you be the one to do that? I'm calling you to this. And so, if we don't know Scripture's context, we start thinking, oh my gosh, all my sins are going to get out there. And you realize, Jesus like, what are you talking about? I mean, the truth about me is going to get out there, and I'm asking you to be a part of that mission. In light of that, I want to share with you this past Friday, Bishop Malesic gathered all the priests in the diocese together uh, for a kind of spontaneous gathering. He doesn't do this often. 
and he had several speakers all throughout Friday afternoon to inform and educate us on some laws that are going to be voted on this November. And so he wanted us to be educated, and he asked that we would join in the mission of educating the people of God here in Ohio so that when we vote, our faith can be heard. So let me first say this. If you're one of those people who says, I don't come to church for politics, I don't want to hear about government from the pulpit, things like that, I get it, all right? And let me say a few things. I speak as a disciple of Jesus, not a news channel or a blog. I find those to be boring and uneducated and uninsightful anyways. I speak on behalf of Jesus and the church. But Israel was a country. They wanted a king. They engaged with other countries in governments. Jesus spoke of Rome, and we hear of different governors throughout the Gospels. St. Paul speaks about how to relate to government and nations. To relate to our government and to politics is intrinsic to the scriptures. Not to mention the fact that we share one world, one reality. And so there's going to be an overlap. Both politics and the church are interested in human behaviors. In the secular world, they're called laws. In the church, traditionally, we call it moral law or just simply morals. And so what we want to make sure of is that we're living from the scriptures and from God and the church and what they offer us. So what are the laws that the bishop's so interested in? This November, a law is coming that will change the laws of Ohio so that abortion would become legal for all nine months of pregnancy. That's the law that we can exercise our freedom on. We get to say, have a say in it. If we lived in other countries, we wouldn't, but we're allowed to vote. So we get a say in what we want our state to uphold as legal and illegal. This would legalize abortion in the last few months of pregnancy. Our own youth minister, Aaron, is a week away from pregnancy. All right, That's what we're talking about. It would be at that level. Also, throughout the scriptures, what we hear is that human life is sacred. It has intrinsic value to God. People aren't valued because of what we get from them, pleasure or work or productivity. They're intrinsically valued because they have a name. They're made in the image and likeness of God. So elderly people or handicapped who might not be able to function like we would normally think of a human being to function, they lack no dignity in the eyes of God. So to the unborn, just because they, they may make a life more sacrificial and challenging at times. They don't lose their value because it's an inconvenience. There's intrinsic value. The Bible calls it image and likeness. God says at times about human life, you are precious in my eyes and honored. And we are the only creature God has chosen to become like, living in a womb of the Blessed Mother, thereby showing that wombs are sacred places to God. And so we're invited to vote. We're invited to exercise. Get in, first off, get registered, get educated, and vote in the fall to help promote the gospel of life. Also, as a church, we sometimes hear, well, you're, you're good with that issue, but you don't ever help the mothers. Not true. All throughout the diocese and in our own parish, we help and support all sorts of homes and outreach ministry to help at-risk pregnancies or mothers who are struggling to provide for their newborns. We provide meals, clothing, shelter, all sorts of opportunities 
so that people who heroically say yes to the unborn, they would feel supported by Jesus' own bride and mother, his church. Also in this law, they want to make legal any minors to get a, uh, to get a, uh, a gender reassignment surgery or puberty blockers. Any minor could obtain this without parental consent. That's also on this law. What does this mean? It means a 12-year-old feeling uncomfortable in their body. By the way, which one of us at 12 didn't feel that way? Feeling uncomfortable in their body and being told largely through social media what that actually means, even though that's untrue, decides to go to their local Planned Parenthood or another organization. They could receive life-changing, life-altering medications without parental consent. The people that, in theory, are meant to love them the most would have no say in this decision. And so you and I get a chance to speak up. And so the bishop, our bishop was heroic, one of the first in the state to gather the priests and educate them so that we could let you know to be registered, to be educated, and witness to the dignity of human life. God made us male and female. Throughout the Old Testament, he speaks about what we eat and what we do with our sexuality. He became flesh. He took on a human body. At the high point of his ministry, he said, this is my body given up for you. St. Paul says Jesus granted us a redemption of the body. And in the creed, we profess a resurrection of the body. God has a wonderful plan for our bodies, and it's certainly being misunderstood. But at least we get a chance to exercise our freedom and to be courageous this fall and say, no, in our state, we want to stand for God's plan. I hope you join us. Okay, palate cleanser before we continue. The great things God is doing here at St. Basil's. I gathered a few of the pastoral staff this past week for an off-site retreat in this beautiful little setting in the woods with a pond, great little house, and we brought some speakers in and had some time of silence and prayer. The last speaker came to speak to us about how we can share what God is doing, much like we hear in the scripture today, to learn how to communicate what we hear in prayer to other people. He kind of did something that at first felt like a circus sideshow to me. He said, I want you to ask God the Father to give you an image, a word or a phrase that you're going to share with someone else in the room. So we got quiet for a little bit and prayed. He said, all right, everyone have something? And some of us did, some of us didn't. He said, if you don't have something, ask the Father to give you a scripture passage that you love or that this person who you don't know who they are yet is going to want to hear. So then everyone said, okay, we're ready. He said, all right, now ask the Lord, what does this mean? What is this word, phrase, image, scripture passage? What is he trying to convey to the person through this? We all took a few more moments of silence. And they said, okay, we got it. And then he said, okay, I'm going to randomly connect, sign you partners. So we were paired up with people. We had no idea who we were going to be paired up with ahead of time. Afterwards, one of the teams, one of the people paired up, came back to me and said, this was awesome. I said, tell me more. He said, well, when I was praying, I got an image of a blue bicycle. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to be that weirdo. And so I got teamed up with this person, and I went over to them, and I said, I was praying, and I got the image of a blue bicycle. I don't know. And the person just kind of thought for a moment and just was like very taken back and said, growing up, I had a lot of siblings. My dad worked hard and didn't have the money to buy any of his bicycles. 
So at about 10 or 11 years old, I went out and got my first job delivering newspapers. I saved up money, and the first thing I bought was a blue bicycle. That's awesome. <laughs> and he says, what, is this, what does this mean? What did you ask God? He goes, God wanted you to know I took care of you then. I'm going to take care of you now. Boy, this guy felt so seen and heard and loved by God. What he felt was what Jesus says here, you are worth more than many sparrows. So they flip it. This guy says, all right, I was praying with this image of an ocean and just how the waves go back and forth. And I felt like God wanted me to let you know of the phrase like constant. He's like, this gets tears in his eyes. He goes, I was just out the, at the pond a few hours ago praying and I saw the breeze going over the pond. And I was thinking how in the book of Genesis, the waters, the, the wind hovers over the waters. And I just thought, God, from the beginning of creation to now, you're just so constant and you're always there for me. And then you just said that same thing to me. Once again, why does God do things like this? So we can have an amazing late night TV show and get some money? No. It's because both of their faith was increased. By hearing this, they began to trust and love God even more. And they grew in confidence of prayer and wanted to share the good news with other people. This doesn't mean you and I go to Giant Eagle and to a cashier and say, dog, <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> That's not what this is. But it may mean that you and I need to start intentionally praying for people and not being afraid to share with them. I was praying for you the other day, and this is the image I have. I'm not infallible. I just submit it to you. And if it resonates and blesses you, I'm so glad. Here's the weird thing about this. It's weird that it's weird. Christians did this for 2,000 years. It's actually worked. For some reason, we stopped doing this. We stopped asking God to speak to us and then sharing it. All throughout the scriptures, they were spending nights in prayer, receiving from the Holy Spirit, and then doing what the Holy Spirit told them to do or speaking what he told them to say. It's weird we don't do this. It's weird that this is weird. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, I don't think we have a robust faith if it's not uncomfortable. I'd like you to start asking God to make you more courageous, more vulnerable in sharing your faith. Some of it's going to look like just the structure of getting informed and voting in line with the gospel. Sometimes it's going to be following that prompting of God this week, no matter what, even if it makes social settings uncomfortable and weird, because you're speaking up on behalf of God. Jesus warns us, don't be afraid of what I'm putting in your hearts and minds. It may be through you that someone who is struggling with insecurity and loneliness finds the living God and begins to discover peace and freedom. When that happens, I can tell you, it is one of the greatest joys there is. This is what it means to be church. It's what it means to be a disciple. Let us respond like the Blessed Mother and give him our yes.